Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. I'm your friend Chuck. It's good to have you back. And I'm joined today by two great friends from Inside Lifeway. So Jana Magruder's here. Hey, Jana. Hello, Chuck. How have you been? It's been a little while since we've had you on the podcast, but it's great to have your voice back. Well, thank you. I'm also kind of a little nervous because I'm out of the habit. So listeners, (laughs) a little grace would be nice. Uh, It's like riding a bike. You know, once you fall (laughs) off the podcast, you just got to get right back on. That's what they say. I guess with horses, right? Well, it's good to have you here. We always have a great time when we get to talk together. And we've been talking about our guest today and and how we've wanted to have him back on. So we're joined also today by Michael Kelly. Michael's our leader. He's a senior VP here at Lifeway over Church Resources. And uh, we're thrilled to have him. He's got a brand new family devotion book that's out. And we want to talk about that today. We're going to talk about the importance of doing devos, getting kids in the word, and encouraging and equipping families. So Michael, welcome back to the podcast for you. Thank you. I'm also glad to be back on the horse again, the proverbial (laughs) horse. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, we'll be galloping through a great event today. That's right. Uh, If you want to trot, saunter, what are some other horse things? Well, we're, you know, in Tennessee, they have these walking horses. I did not grow up in Tennessee. Um, none, none of us did actually. And so when I came to Tennessee, I heard this legend of the Tennessee walking horse. And have you guys seen these things? I've, I've never seen a horse walk in such a strange way. I, I, I am not familiar. I mean, really? I, I've, I've heard the term, but I guess I've never stopped to think about what that, it does beg the question, is there a non-walking horse? I guess there would <laughs> in be Tennessee, like if it's, yeah. A, yeah, in Tennessee, like a paralyzed horse or something like that. But, I, uh, <laughs> Well, it's, maybe, a, it's a very sassy walk. Yeah, Jenny, you know the one, right? It's kind of like the, yeah. the high front legs that they lift yes. up. It's a little bit like if you've maybe, Michael, have you seen the Monty Python Ministry of Funny Walks? Yes, this so, I am familiar with. This horse of is course. in that video. Put the, <laughs> yeah. put, make that person, John Cleese as a horse and you've got okay. the Tennessee okay. walking horse. I got it. It's very strange. Anyhow. <laughs> Well, enough horseplay here. Let's get down to business. Well, uh, so fun, before we get fun fact, just fun you fact. know, for audience participation, fun fact, little known fact about uh, me. Uh, we, we, Jan and I both grew up in Texas. In in Texas, we have quarter horses. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so the fun fact is that I am actually the voice of the animatronic horse that greets people at the entrance to the Quarter Horse Museum in Amarillo, Texas. Are you kidding? All right, listeners, we need someone to go there and record that and send it in to us. That is awesome. That that was they they have potentially changed the exhibit. So I it's it's been (laughs) a minute since I've been there. Uh, But but at one time. So how did that happen, Michael? Uh, You know, just I read. Uh, I had a friend whose whose mom uh, was was one of the curators at the Quarter Horse Museum, and so they were doing this thing. And so she she called and said, "Hey, do you want to come do some voice work?" When I was in high school, and I said, "Yeah, you mean like reading?" And she said, "Yeah, <laughs> but you, but but you know you want to you want to you want to 
put yourself in character. So, so there's actually a, a voice that I came up with for Rocket, wow. the animatronic quarter horse. Rocket. So can you give us, you know, you have no, to give us a little. It's, I, I, I don't even know <laughs> if I can still do it. It's, it's, it's a thing, you know, you do in high school and, and then you never think that 30 years later, you'll find yourself on a podcast talking about it. And yet here we are. And so you're immortalized uh, as the voice of the yes. Quarter Horse Museum. And and don't you worry, it will come back and be told again at our next leadership meeting with you. I, you're going to tell no it doubt. again. I have no doubt. <laughs> so anyway. So fun facts. How fun so is random. that? Oh, man. Random you never fun. know what you learn on the podcast. So this is why That's you have to right. keep tuning in. We love to talk fun facts and do little silly games and things like that. I think you just filled that slot for yeah, this episode. We're good so now. thank you for that. We didn't even have to pull it out of you. You offered it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's we we love that about you. All right. Well, we want to talk today about family. So um we know as kids ministry leaders that encouraging and equipping parents and families for ministry at home is a really important part of what we do. We get into kids ministry thinking we're gonna to minister to kids ourselves. And we learned that so much more of the job is really serving families and partnering well with them. Um, and so one of the ways we need to do that is by equipping them to get into God's word together. And so we, Michael, I know that you have, and Jana, you as well, have, we've all uh, been down the road of how do we accomplish that? Even us as leaders, how do we effectively uh, start and stick with a family devotions um, uh, plan because I think we all like the idea. I think nobody's against it. Nobody's like family devotions. That's a terrible idea, right? We, we're all bought into the concept, yeah. but for some reason, it just seems so hard. Michael, we had a, a hallway conversation just the other day when you handed me your book and you, you were talking about just how difficult it was to write the book <clears throat> because it's a whole year's worth of devos that yeah. you had to put right. together. So right. tell us, a little, set us up for this. Why was this so important to you? Maybe share a bit about your own family and your own story. Yep. And uh, why was this such an important project for you? Yeah. Well, for, for me, it was, uh, man, just like you said, we, as a family, we, we loved the idea, but we, we had this mental block against just pulling the trigger and going for it uh, and, and that kind of thing until about 10 years ago and 10 years ago, we finally got over that hump. And so we, we've used various resources to help us read the Bible together along the way. But I, I think it's always healthy when a family sort of finds their own rhythm to that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, re resources are, are helpful, but, but they kind of need to be customized a little bit to what fits the vibe of your family and your schedule and that kind of thing. And so once we once we did that and kind of hit our stride and it became more uh, habitual in in the daily life of our family, uh, we started noticing some some different patterns about what works really well with our kids and what didn't really connect with our kids. And so we, we found ourselves over the last 10 years using various resources, but then always sort of modifying them. Uh, and so then the thought was, well, well, maybe our family is is not unique here. Could could I write a devotion that uh, integrates a lot of those things that we found to be helpful uh, from different resources and some patterns? So just by by way of example, one of the things that people will see when they pick up the devotion is that even though it's a year's worth of devotions, there's only four devotions per week. And the reason why it is that way is because what we found was that Monday through Thursday, that's great. 
everybody's on the same relative schedule. And so we can do those. But then on Friday, we found it helpful for our devotion time to just sort of take a break and let everybody around the circle share something that they're thankful for this week in one specific way that the family can pray for them uh, that week. So that's we do that. And then and then we just we kind of took the weekend off. Now, I'm sure people will debate whether that's the, the right thing to do or not. But that's the pattern that has been attainable and sustainable for, for our family. So that's what we modeled it on. And there's there's a few other things like that. One of the things I love about that is, uh, you know, one of the one of the struggles I think that people have is when it's an everyday thing, 365 days and you miss a day, you start to feel like you failed. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's just not sustainable to hit it every single day, whether you, know, you get one day a week where people are going different directions for you. That was Friday. For us, Tuesdays are insane, and so that might be a day we can skip. So I personally love the idea that you've built in a little bit of space so that we can continue and, uh, and, and move forward and not feel like we're failing. Mm-hmm. I just, man, I agree with that, uh, that it does feel like that when it is on there every day. Now, that, of course, nobody's debating the importance of being in God's Word every, every day. Like, to, like no, nobody is debating that at all. Um, at the same time— you do want to put something in front of your family that is realistic, you know, that really can be fully integrated into, into what you're, into what you're doing. Okay. I don't want to miss this. The title is very intentional. The whole story for the whole family. So at first glance, you might think, Oh yeah, that's, I get it. But listeners need to know that Michael Kelly is a wordsmith and a crafter of words and titles. Often we go to him to to sum something up that we're kind of missing that that last intentional word or sentence that could pull something together. Tell us why you named your devotional The Whole Story for the Whole Family. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I think the biggest reason, you know, there's two parts to that, right? Whole story and whole family. Uh, Also, by the way, thank you. That's very kind of you to say. Uh, so whole story, um, the way that the way that the, the devotion is organized is to really walk you through chronologically the story of Scripture. So hopefully what what uh, starts to happen is not only are kids being confronted with these individual stories that you find in there, but there's intentional links in there that will reference back to where things are in history and uh, and 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 different things like that so that you start to see, okay, there's an actual order in which this happened. And it's important to understand the order in which they, they happen. I think that's more important than ever um, just because basic biblical literacy uh, among not only kids, but, but parents too continues to decline. And so having just a basic understanding of this is the storyline of the Bible is really helpful. So that's the whole story part. The whole family part is just really meant to emphasize the fact that, you know, by God's grace, our kids have really grown over the last 10 years because we've read the Bible together. Yeah. I know for a fact that I have grown uh, because we, we've read the, the Bible together. It's often anybody in kids ministry knows this is true. Uh, that it is it is often that you're teaching something in a Sunday school class or in your home and a kid will ask a question 
or they will make a statement that is deeply, deeply challenging to your own to your own faith. Part of that, I think, is just the simplicity with which children approach, you know, approach uh, uh, approach everything, and so they have this innate ability to just cut through all of the muck in the mire and say things in a in a pointed way that is that is so that is so beautiful. So that's the whole family part of it. It's not just it's a wrong thing for the parents to think I'm doing this for the sake of my children exclusively. A better way to think about it is no, we we are all doing this together for the sake of all of our souls and all of our lives with Jesus. And I think that's a really good distinction. There there are a lot of kids devotions that are out there that are that you know church leaders or or parents might pick up or grandparents and then hand it to their child and say, "Now you go do this." This is really intended to be something that we do together. And that is facilitated by an adult caregiver. So talk to us just a little bit about that perspective. That's intentional as well. It, it is very much so. You know, we, we all believe, we've talked about it before, guys, that we, we really believe that the, the primary, ideally, the primary spiritual influence in a child's life ought to be their parents. Yeah. It, it really ought to be. Uh, you don't have to look much farther than Deuteronomy chapter 6 to know that this is, this is what the Lord wants, is for our homes to be actual places of spiritual development in the in the life of the family. So, you know, with a resource like this, one of the things that you, you I think you want to be really careful in doing is to, to create it and, and write it and structure it in such a way to where it enables and doesn't inhibit a parent from taking hold of that responsibility. So hopefully as you you know you go through more and more that parents become more and more confident, yes. not, not in leading an individual devotion necessarily, but just in having overall spiritual conversations with their, yes. with their children. That's what you, you want to see that confidence grow in moms and dads too. So I want to know if the whole family, if you had a, maybe a double meaning there to address multiple age groups, because I know you have three kids that right. span several years. I do too. Chuck does too. And sometimes there's a challenge of keeping all those age groups engaged. Tell me like what target age group did you have in mind when you wrote this? So for, that's a, it's a great question. Um, so I think you're, you're really looking at, like, I'll answer it in two ways. So you're, you're, when I, when I wrote it, I was thinking of kids between the ages of like five and 12, like that, that age group. Yeah. However, I would say that because now we've got two kids, two of our three kids are outside of that. Um, and so the pattern that we've moved into over the last few years is that our older two kids participated family devotions, but they, they actually have started leading them one day a week. That. So hopefully the same thing that's happening, you know, the dynamic we described earlier with parents, that that's happening with older kids too, that they pick it up and they become more comfortable being conversant with the Bible that they see. This is actually not rocket science. I can actually have a spiritual conversation. In fact, I can actually lead a spiritual conversation yes. uh, with other people and, and, and do it well and effectively. So hopefully that's that's happening too. That's a, that's one of the ways to help bridge some of those gaps is to hand off the leadership to kids as they start getting older in the home. That's awesome. 
And it helps us have conversations as a whole family. You know, as we as we um, move around our property and pick up sticks and burn stuff and haul trash to the dump and go to the grocery store, well, all the things that we're doing, we just have conversation that happens naturally. And when we have a, something in common to talk about, as things come up, I find it so easy to point back to something that we've read together recently and say, hey, remember that story about Gideon or about whatever that was? Boy, I've been thinking about that. And so it, it becomes a natural overflow, even between the kids themselves, when we're in it together. So so important that we don't just delegate this to them alone, but that we do this together. I think that's I, I think that's beautiful, Chuck. I, I totally agree with that. I, from a kids ministry leader perspective, I think as we're talking to families about having a devotion time, we ought to be careful in how we define what the win is here. So we could say to all the families that we have influence over, you know, the win is have a family devotion, have a family devotion, have a family devotion. Okay. So that, that's a good thing. A better thing is that you have a family devotion so that it becomes a normal part of the conversation in your home to have other conversations. This, to go back to Deuteronomy chapter six, you know, you got in that passage, the way you treat God's word as a family, you're supposed to uh, hang it on your doorposts. You're supposed to, you know, do all these things. Okay. But then it, 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 it's almost like what's being emphasized there is not just a singular period of time in which you talk about the Bible, but rather the regular conversation when you go out, when you come in. So that's what you want to happen is, is I think you have a family devotion that lays the groundwork so that all the, when you go out times, it's so much easier just to have regular spontaneous conversations about God and about his, about his word. Beautiful. Something else I love about this, Michael, is the, your awareness of, attention span. And so that each, each Devo is only about 20 minutes to complete, right? So it's not an hour long, in-depth, intensive, uh, theological study. It's a 20 minute discussion and you can find time to do that in the morning at a mealtime, you know, in the evening, whatever that looks like. So 20 minutes is certainly attainable, I think for, yeah. for most everyone. And then you've also broken it up into segments. And so I want to talk a little bit about those segments, you know, because there's always a, a Bible reading segment and you've included some discussion questions. I love that you started off with what you're calling show. There's this moment when you, you have, uh, you have us bring something that's an object or a story or an example. Tell, and I just knowing a little bit about how you function, this had to be the most challenging part of the book for you is bringing these analogies and examples. Oh, it was, it was brutal. <laughs> <laughs> so it's one of those things, uh, you know, you, you have the idea for a book like this and, um, and then you find somebody who says, yeah, that's that we think that's a good idea. Let's publish that book. So you're like, great. Okay. And then you start laying out and you realize, oh man, that, that's like 250 object lessons to come to come up with. So it, it was really difficult to be able to do that. Um, but what we found, again, from our own experience, because we we have always had family devotions in the morning, like first thing around the breakfast table. So, you know, mornings are mornings. And so we, we always have found that if there's some way to just grab attention immediately, like something to, to grab hold of folks, whether it's a little game you play or an object lesson or a story or whatever, 
that it's exceedingly helpful to just get the conversation moving. So each day starts with something like that. So our, our family is using this book right now in our homes. Today, the Bible text was Genesis chapter 12, which is the call of Abram. So the, the, the opener, the show portion was, uh, uh, and my daughter let my 13 year old daughter led it this morning and nobody knows what it's going to be, uh, until she does it. So she's like, all right, everybody stand up go get against that wall. And she went and stood on the other side of the house and we played red light, green light for 90 <laughs> seconds. Now it was, it was fun for us because she positioned herself at the end of a hallway. So me and my two sons were sort of throwing elbows and pulling each other back and that kind of stuff to get, to get through there. Um, and then of course the, you know, the, the book says, okay, we just played this game. This is how it relates to the call of Abraham who was called to, who was called to go given direction to go so it's, it's stuff like that. So you got a, a show moment that leads into a text uh, that you're supposed to read. And then after that, the next portion is just two or three paragraphs that explain what the text is, how it fits in the storyline of the Bible. Uh, and, then, um, and then you have three discussion questions for the family. And then you have a prayer prompt. And it really is something that can be done in, you know, between 10 and 20 minutes, I would say. Uh, so yeah, super attainable, hopefully. And you've taken all the guesswork out of what families would need to prepare, which is awesome. I, I hope so. I, I hope that there's nothing in there. So that nobody will find an object lesson that says, you know, before family devotion this morning, uh, hand build a birdhouse and, and bring it to the, so it's not, it's not like that. It's like get a box of cereal from the, you know, from the yeah. counter. Which or is so great. Play this game. So hopefully it's all, it's not too cumbersome to be able to do that. Yeah. So there's Let really no you, preparation, right? It's, it's makes it easy. Not a lot. So because, yeah. So I, I just wanted to interject our audience that is listening right now are kid men leaders for the most part. And I guarantee you, all of them are thinking right now, I got to get my hands on that book because I need those object lessons because we're always <laughs> scrambling Truth. for a good object lesson that sets up a biblical connection. Yeah. So it's so valuable for that. Well, I, I hope so. You know, my wife and I uh, have taught second grade Sunday school for a number of years. And so when you put it, you guys know, when you put 20, 25 second graders in a room together, there's only so long before it becomes Lord of the Flies, right? So you you have to, you, you just have to move and shake and, and stuff like that. So little moments like that are, are doing it. So man, yeah, I hope it's helpful in that regard. And it makes it memorable. You know, when we, when there's, I, so, you know, many devos are straight devotions, read the passage, ask the questions, mm -hmm. but to have this extra layer of connection to things that kids understand. I, you know, a few of them that I have, as I've gone through the book, they say things like bring a dollar bill or a debit card. You know, you mentioned a box of cereal. Um, some of them though, you ask us to tell the story, share, share something that you really don't like to do, you know, or things like that. That's a great way for us to build relational connection, even within our families and connect that, uh, that moment or that story or that object back to 
a lasting spiritual truth. So I, I really appreciate that. I'm a visual learner. I love activity based things and that kind of stuff. So I just love the store, the show portion of, uh, of the study that you've done. Now you've also been intentional to make this very Jesus centered. So the, the subtitle of the book is a year of Jesus centered family devotions. Why was that important to you? And why do you think that's so crucial for families? Uh, it, it important, uh, for me because, uh, you know, I, I just convictionally believe when you read the Bible that, that, uh, that Jesus really is the main character in, in all of the stories. I had a, I had a professor in seminary. It's one of my, one of my favorite things that he ever, that he ever told us as a preaching class. And he would say that the fingerprints of Jesus are on every page of the Bible. You just have to dust for them sometimes. Mm. And I think that's true. Jesus is sometimes at the forefront, sometimes he's in the background, but but Jesus is always there. So if you've got this one continual story that's moving throughout all the pages of the Bible, that Jesus is really the main character in all of that. So in, in all of these stories, you know, you're going to find the thread of uh, of creation and sin and redemption and, and our need for grace constantly being emphasized. So I wanted to make sure that that in 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 this particular devotion by God's grace that it's not a exclusively a character building kind of devotion moment even though of course the bible does speak to our character but that that it is it is uh, overarching that constantly beating the gospel drum uh of what of what God has done for us in in Christ and even though it's chronological, I want people to understand that is not a read through the Bible plan. No. <laughs> the, the, and so that's, again, where you've taken some of the guesswork out. You've gone through and identified passages from Genesis to Revelation that tell that grand narrative. And it's not it's not a long read, again, keeping kids' attention and making it doable. Yeah. Short reads. And you guys, you guys know, because all three of us have worked with curriculum in the past. I mean, you know how hard that is because you, I mean, what are you going to cut out? Right. It, right. Inevitably you have yeah. to choose to, to cut right. things out. And, you know, time will tell if we made the best choices here. We, we, we tried to, uh, but you know, of course there's, there's some stuff left out. What we, what we have tried to do is really hit the things that do advance the story most effectively uh, throughout the, throughout the Bible. Fantastic. It's a beautiful book. To hold, I love the feel of the cover. It looks thick, so it looks like it's a really solid, uh, rich experience, and it is. It it, uh, it delivers on the expectation that you get when you hold the book. I think this is going to be a fantastic resource for the whole family. So, from Janet and me and Lifeway Kids, thank you for the work that you continue to do, Michael. As as a high level leader in the Lifeway organization, we so appreciate your heart for the kids and for the family yes. uh, within the church. And so thank you from us. And uh, tell us where we can find the book. So those who are listening, there are a couple of places to go, but where where should they look? So you, you can go uh, really any any place where you, you know, where you where you want to buy books. Do uh, uh, you could get it. So you could get it at Amazon. You can get it at Lifeway. Uh, you can get it at Lifeway.com. Um, and then there's there's other retailers too. Sort of the central hub, if people want to, you know, they can look at uh, different pages of it and that kind of thing. If you just go to wholestorywholefamily.com, uh, it can link you there to various places where where uh, folks can get the folks can pick one up. 
Fantastic. And we'll have producer Trey include some links in the show notes. So listeners, if you're listening uh, anywhere besides kidsministry101.com, click over to kidsministry101.com. There you'll find the links in the show notes for this episode that'll take you directly to the book. We'll also have some, a link to Michael's blog. So yes. his blog, Forward Progress, is a great place to go. It's uh, michaelkelly.co. It's the co in com. And so look for that link and we'll get you over there to Forward Progress as well. Uh, Jana, thank you for being here today and for being involved in our conversation. Michael, thank you. We appreciate your time and again, your heart for kids and the family. So thank you for being with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Always love to talk with you guys. Thank you so much. Listeners, thank you. We're so glad to have you today. And I I would encourage you to share this episode with parents and uh, leaders within your church. This book is something that you should check out yourself, but it's one that I would really encourage you to recommend to families and to parents who are looking uh, to engage with their kids in spiritual conversations at home. We appreciate all that you do. And as always, we want our podcast to be one that encourages and equips you as you lead the kids and families in your church, in your community. Thanks for listening today. We'll see you back next time for another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast.